0: find more
1: thanks for tuning in to the medevac podcast powered by the robert irvine foundation whose mission is to support and strengthen the physical and mental well-being of our nation's heroes i'm one of your hosts david reed
2: and i'm your other host christian myers thank you very much for joining us today on the medevac podcast if you're new here there's a price for the show You have to share it with a friend or family member if you get something out of today's episode. And that's an order.
1: That's a standing order. Lawful.
2: I think it's a lawful order, right?
1: Comments, questions. We love it all. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification button.
2: Yeah. Make sure you update those notifications. Um, Interact with us on our Instagram. It's the easiest way to reach myself and Dave. Stay up to date on all the new episodes and you can uh, interact with us directly right on there during some of
1: our live episodes. Amazing. Who is our guest today?
2: Our guest today is Nina Guerra. She is a 10-year Marine Corps veteran. She did signals intelligence for that entire duration, and uh, she is now attending a doctorate program to get her PhD in clinical psychology. So welcome, Nina. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks thanks so much.
1: Us, I think we have a reoccurring theme on this show where we really dive into the mental health and wellness of those who've uh, you know served this country and our first responders as well. So Excellent. Thanks so much for, for coming on the show today.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: Of course. Awesome. That, I think we have a different uh, trending topic, too. It's just badass veterans who are doing cool things after the military.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, you have a nonprofit that you started about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So we'll dive into that as well. Yeah. So um, it's excellent seeing fellow veterans who continue to serve. And you're freshly out. 2021 <laughs> is when you got out of the military. Yeah. So, so let's rewind it back a few years. And dive into the story of how you got introduced to the Marines, like what motivated you into becoming a Marine?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, funny story. I was going to Texas Tech Mm -hmm. um, for like a semester there. And I came back during the spring semester and I said to my family, I think I'm going to join the military. Hmm. And they were just like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> Whoa. And
3: I was like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> and like, I actually went to go talk. I really, honestly, I just didn't want to pay for college. And hmm. I really, in, at the time, I'm like, I'll just, I'll just do like the military for yeah. four years, get my degree. And like, absolutely. It's a good trade. Like, yeah, that yeah. it'll, whatever. And, yeah. um, I went to talk to, like, all of the branches. I was, like, Mm -hmm. very, like, try to be very calculated in my decision. of course. Um, And then I just, like, pulled the trigger and was, like, "Uh, I think I'm just, if I'm going to do it, I think I'm just going to, like, be a Marine. Nice. Um, So that was, like, my mentality then. And then, Mm. like, and then I did it. And I, at the time, like, and I did, like, as soon as I could, like, enroll in college, I did. And I finished, like, my degree in psychology Mm. Um, and then I really enjoyed what I was doing in like signals intelligence field yeah. and I signed did it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that it was, that was really it. I just, I don't know what came over me. <laughs> I really did well, just it, like kind of.
1: It's interesting too, because you joined in 2011 mm-hmm. and you know, obviously the stories that you hear, I mean, people are coming back banged up, mm-hmm. you know, we're in the second surge at this point, things are getting wild and I'm just curious as to like what gives you that courage to know that hey we're we're joining in a time of war like ten years in, what does that look like for you?
3: Yeah, and as even I think I at the time like I was kind of like null to all that I, mm-hmm. when he, when I when we talk about counterterrorism at that time like all I knew was like nine eleven,
4: mm-hmm. okay,
3: and I did have an uncle who who was in and out before like during, right after nine eleven and then out before my time came to join. Okay. So I knew like he was a Marine, um, but I didn't really know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was like going to pick jobs, like my recruiter was just like, Hey, like you could pretty much do anything. Like you mm-hmm. got a good enough ASVAP score.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: He's like, What do you think about like Intel? It's like, whatever. Like is when can I leave? Mm, like yeah. I was really just like just hey, ready to I go. just wanna get like what, what's, what's gonna get me out, what's yeah. gonna get me like and he told me, too, he's like, you can't just, like, start college right away. There's, like, this period. You have to go to, like, training, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah. okay, like, so when can I leave? Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know anything about this the intel field at all. Mm-hmm. I was like, I kind of just, like, trusted him. I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, I don't know e- anything either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's so, like, but it sounds cool.
2: Something with radios? I don't know. Yeah. yeah and <laughs> yeah.
3: that's what I did. And, I, I mean, again, like, I still didn't really, like, know exactly what the job was until, mm-hmm. like, yeah. finally, like... Yeah. After all the training. Sure. So
1: after your training, let's talk about the difference in definition that you had. So mm-hmm. going into Intel, what did you think it looked like? And then once you finish your training, what was that realistic approach after?
3: Yeah. So like when I was in boot camp, um, they pull you aside and they like tell you like, I don't know, like one of the monitor pulls you aside and says like, this is what your job could be in the signals mm-hmm. field or in the Intel field. And at that time he was like, how good are you at math? And, like, I'm in boot camp. I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, like, what kind? Like, yeah. Dude, I haven't slept. Like, I don't sh- – yeah. I think I'm good enough.
2: We're yeah. talking trig here? Yeah. I was like,
3: and he was like, well, we're thinking about, like, putting you in, like, geo-int. And, like, mm. you can make maps and, like, look at, like, imagery type stuff. Yeah. And I, I really didn't know – I really, like, I knew nothing about the intel yeah. field. I guess, like – you look at like I don't know like some sh- shows and I'm, you're thinking like some like covert stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. James Bond.
1: Mission
0: yeah, Impossible, but even then I was yeah. like,
3: I, it can't be like that.
1: Yeah. So, so what did that look I like really once you once you got that badge on? Um, how did it turn right? It's it's the same kind of misconception that we get like with police officers, like yeah. we're going to be in car chases and gunfights <laughs> all the time, and they're like it's ninety percent paperwork. Yeah.
3: Yeah um well that was it so i w- i didn't go to Geoent. i like i got to like finish boot camp finish like our additional like marine combat training mm-hmm. um and then like we get our like assignments and i was like oh you're gonna go to like Sigant school in florida i was like oh okay i thought i was going to like virginia but mm-hmm. whatever yeah langley <laughs> yeah.
0: to be a spy I, was, like, yeah.
3: I, I don't know um so i went and did that and i like i hate I really hated the school, like mm-hmm. it was really boring. It was like signals, like learning how to demodulate signals, yeah. and it's like, what is this even like does yeah. none of this make sense like this doesn't seem like what I want to do. Mm. Uh, and our instructors had kind of told us, like, this isn't it. The curriculum's very outdated. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are we learning this? And why are you teaching yeah. us this outdated
2: yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, So it wasn't until, like, I got to Camp Pendleton to where, like, learning about – and I'm, like, a very hands-on person. Like, mm. I'm, like, love the – I've always loved the outdoors. I'm, like, I played sports. Like, I didn't want to sit behind a desk either. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what they said. It's like, well, you know, like, if you're a female, you're probably going to be an analyst. And mm. you're going to, like, do – Sit behind it. You're going to go to a skiff, be in a secured building, and just like sit behind a computer and like Mm -hmm. write reports. Yeah. Um, But the guys get to like do this like collection type stuff and like work with the gear.
1: Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel?
3: I mean, I was like, and this again, like I'm a very like like just i guess like a like a rough person too i was like that doesn't make any sense that makes like, no like this is dumb yeah,
1: yeah.
3: uh okay it, we'll see about that <laughs>
1: yeah if if anything you would think that women have the ability to be a little bit more analytical
3: <laughs> yeah so i was like okay this doesn't make sense
4: yeah
3: but, uh and that's kind of what i did like i'll say the first couple of years like i really did ruffle a lot of feathers like mm, yeah. i was just like like no i'm not gonna do this like I want to do that. Mm -hmm. What does it take to do that? So, like, the attitude and, like, the discipline thing wasn't there for me really yet in the the few beginning years of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so I got there and I was like, well, I want to learn how to use the gear. I want to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. I want to learn, like more the more hands-on stuff yeah, so i like, kind of just like made the guys like i bugged them enough mm-hmm. to like they would teach me nice and they did like i still talk to some of those guys today too and even then they'd be like damn you're a handful <laughs> <laughs> <Thank God. laughs> uh, but it, like i'm really i'm really proud of that because then i like it opened up a lot of opportunities for mm-hmm. me once i just was like wouldn't take no for an answer yeah so i got to do some of like that more hands-on like collection style training mm-hmm. like where we, we did like field events i got to do a lot of that, instead of just, like... And I had to learn both. They still, like, made you learn how to do, like, report writing and mm-hmm. the and the analytical type stuff, sure. like, yeah. networking type things. Mm-hmm. Um, but just me, like, the will to want to, like, learn more and, like, just kind of, like, not take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Then I learned how to do it, like, tactfully in a way that, like, oh, it's make it seem like it's their idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I got it's a little accepted, better right? at that. Yeah. 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 I got a
3: little better at that over the years, but... Uh, Like I said, it led me to, like, a lot more opportunities. Like, Mm. the deployments I went on were all, like, individual augments.
0: Mm -hmm. So,
3: like, I didn't have very, like, traditional Marine Corps deployments. Yeah,
2: very unique for Marine Corps. Yeah, so
3: I got to, like, a lot of them were just, like, with either JSOC, NSA, or, like, OGA. So,
4: Mm
3: -hmm. um, again, it opened up a lot of doors for me. Just knowing that I, like, knowing that I knew the collection side of it, so I Mm -hmm. knew how we were, like collecting and i knew mm-hmm. how to like analyze report and like disseminate so
0: yeah
2: that makes yeah. sense so for our, our for our audience sorry words are hard today mm-hmm. for our audience who doesn't know what signals intelligence is can you give a little background information on what type of collections you guys do and what it's actually used for
3: yeah so pretty much like anything in the signals environment where it's like um phones, so mm-hmm. like gs like it used to be like gsm cdma so any type of like cellular signals yeah. Uh, it was a lot of, like, push-to-talk in the beginning stages of, like, when we were in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just, like, walkie-talkie radios. Uh, and then it's kind of, like, transformed into – it could also be, um, like, networking. So, mm-hmm. like – what Like, um, like access network- to servers. Yeah, and- access to servers, network exploitation. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, just, like, a wide range of things. In, like, other branches, they're very specialized of, like, no, they just do, like, networking. They okay. just do – yeah. Uh, cellular they but just as, do this
1: but as as the marines do it's kind of just <laughs> like a surf just and Nova. turf yeah, yeah. <laughs> just uh collections so you 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 gather this data up and i want to talk about like i, I know we're fast forwarding a little bit but in this 10 year span how did that mission change i mean it you know you go from push to talk in 2011 yeah. to just this data influx yeah. how do you stay on top of that.
3: Yeah, so it was it, like it really started with like do I did a lot of like work in Afghanistan doing like push to talk, trying mm-hmm. to find like just like very which is still kind of it can be intricate if you don't mm-hmm. really understand like the theories and like how like the signals are being uh tra- like whatever transferred if you will, if I can say that um but And then it like evolved into like we're going into like now Iraq and Syria where Mm. they have a little bit more of a robust like actual like network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we're going into like we're looking at more um, of their – we're looking at their like social media and then we're looking Mm. at their different Mm -hmm. like digital network interface type stuff. So uh, it changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And then now even then like at the end of – my career it we went i went back to afghanistan it's like i started there like i thought that was over and then i went back there and i was a i was there a year before we kind of like shut down
0: okay Mm. Uh, yeah
3: i was there like all 2020 and then i was back doing like push to talk again trying to find like just like very like just you know like they would have a lot of burner phone like that that just like kind of like that basic stuff Mm -hmm. but on top of that it was also like how can we exploit them like Mm -hmm. on their digital network Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, just a different and how to stay on top of it. It's mainly like a, a lot of c- courses. So like we work a lot with like NSA. So we have to like stay mm-hmm. on top of like all of that.
2: Sure. Um, mm-hmm. all the hottest tech. Yeah. I'm sure it's and, and honestly, daily. it's like,
3: it's crazy that like I'm going through this program, this doctoral program right now. And I still remember things that it's like, I have no use for this information <laughs> yeah. anymore. And I'm having trouble like learning this, yeah. <laughs> like, retaining this. And then I think back, it's like, yeah, how did I retain all of this like theory and yeah. like all of this, just like report, like all of these like basic informations of like, Oh, I know that this goes in like every single report line. How do I just mm. remember that then?
4: Yeah.
3: Um. So yeah, it's really, it's a lot of like training. It's mm. a lot. It's like, mm-hmm. And constant again, education constant education and like what we do learn in our like basic um school it's, it's not at all like what we actually do and then it depends on like, kind of what route you go on if you're like more of the collector uh you do a lot of field training with the equipment mm-hmm. so it was like learning the equipment the intricacies the intricacies of the equipment and learning like what the like okay like, if i want to span this uh, okay, I'm looking for a cell phone and it's this range and I use this equipment if mm-hmm. I'm doing this, like so just like knowing all of that and then on top of like the it's just then it's also just like actual networking. It's like, oh, I know mm-hmm. I need to work with this office here and there. Yeah. So
1: was yeah. it a lot of eye opening technology?
3: A lot of just like eye opening <laughs> concepts.
1: You're just like, wow, I didn't. Yeah, understand. I was like, I had
3: so going even going back to like when I was like, Yeah, I'll do Intel, whatever that is. Yeah. And to like now it's like I, it's just, it's, it's insane that I've like got to have all those opportunities. Like and yeah, mm-hmm. uh, of sheer, like I wanted to go open contract if that mm-hmm. was going to get me out of the door sooner. Yeah. So the way that it kind of just fell into place and like, it, it was, I don't know, it was just very like serendipitous. I don't mm. even, I don't even know what the right yeah. word is. It's just so-
2: very crazy. sounds like it worked out really well for it, you. It did. Yeah.
3: worked out really well. Um, and, like, I'm just really glad that I did have an opportunity to work with, like, a lot of these, like, three-letter organizations mm-hmm. and, like, do all the things that I've gotten mm-hmm. to do. Um, it's just been very, like, eye-opening yeah, across this, the board.
1: The secret scroll part of it. It's yeah. Pretty, it's pretty exciting <laughs> yeah. in its yeah, own way. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah. So without diving too much into OPSEC, obviously you can't talk about a lot of things, but what are some of the highlights of your career in the Marines? Like, whether it was being a part of capturing or... Finding a bad guy, like what? What are some highlights that you're, you know, obviously you're sitting behind a desk a lot, but there's got to be something that motivated you to stay for ten years.
3: Yeah, um, I think definitely the the f- it's just playing a part, I guess. In uh, I don't, I guess like the if you could say the ro- the entire roll up part. Mm-hmm. So it's just like finding. And then, like, then I get to, like, pass it off and it's fi- fixed and finished. Mm-hmm. So just, like, those successful operations were were really cool. Like, oh, I get to, like, name
2: yeah. this yeah.
3: objective yeah, whatever. whatever. And
2: you kind of get to pass the ball to yeah. so, the next guys to go finish it yeah, off. Yeah, right? I think
3: that that was really cool and, like, being able to put something that I can confidently say, like, mm here you go. Mm-hmm. And all, all also very nerve wracking. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. like, I bet you just like, you also just like never know well, that information's
2: so. what we base our decisions off of. It can, it can be the difference between life and death on an operation. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I stuff. think
3: that, yeah, I think that was pretty odd awesome. That's kind of what kept me going. And then mm. just like seeing be, and then like, also then like it had building that, like the trust amongst like your, your team too. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. Well, this is our, like, and it's uh, many times like I'm the only like signature, either, too. So it's like, they kind of like got to trust me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, here you go.
4: <laughs> Have
2: to
1: be right. Yeah.
3: yeah. But, but like, I was able to do my job because of, because it, it was like a mutual kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So,
1: so all, overall, it was a great time in, and, and you definitely feel like you're a part of a team. Yeah. Mm. That was great. So, um, 2021 rolls along. Why did you decide to cap it out at 10 years?
3: Yeah. So I knew I wanted to do um, the PhD program. I didn't mm-hmm. know that I wanted to do the nonprofit stuff, mm-hmm. but I knew, and that's, it's a five-year program. Okay. Um, So I was like, well, like, I don't want to do this for 10 more years. I know what it looks like for me. Yeah. I was, there was not going to be a whole lot of individual augments anymore. Mm. No, it's um, just
1: overarching admin at that. Yeah. Point
3: yeah. As I progressed, like I just, I kind of knew what that looked like. And yeah, I could have probably continued to like not take no for an answer and be mm-hmm. like and be that person. But I was kind of also just like really tired of doing that. I mm. was like really mm-hmm. like desensitized to a lot very, yeah. just like emotionally callous as well.
1: Like what specifically?
3: Um, just like everyday things. Like I even joked to like my family and friends. It's like I'm not ready to reintegrate back into society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't think that I would mesh very well at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like after, I said that after like my first enlistment, and I I didn't feel ready to like mm-hmm. rejoin. Like, and and that,
1: that's an interesting. I don't want to brush past that part because it's, I think it's a huge aspect of what probably motivated you to go into clinical psychology as Mm -hmm. well. So when we talk about reintegration, what do you mean specifically by that? Is it it that team environment? Is it that there is a a feeling of misunderstanding from everybody who hasn't experienced that? Or what's the emotions kind of going through your head?
3: Yeah, definitely both. And I'm going through it now. So I I guess... I I knew I'd go through it at some point, but mm. I felt a little bit more prepared to go through it mm-hmm. now. Sure, but then it, it was both. It was like leaving, like yeah, a very like tight knit team. Um, also, the, like just the banter, the camaraderie, mm-hmm. all of it. I knew I wasn't going to get it, yeah, out. Like I knew that wasn't that was just going to be gone. And I and I guess that the, I'd also seen people like get out and like struggle mm-hmm. and like go off the deep end too. Yeah. Like people that like I had like, like as a young Marine, like looking up to them and mm-hmm. like knowing like, Oh wow. Like what happened?
2: Hey, yeah, look mm-hmm. at those guys. Like they're so squared away.
0: Yeah. And they, they get just out.
3: get out yeah. and it's a whole nother world. And yeah. I also felt like that really sucks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, so yeah, I, I, I really thrived in that team environment. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, that's what I, like, I just wasn't ready to, like, leave yet. Mm-hmm. And then the 10-year mark comes around, and I'm, I was kind of just, like, tired, too. Yeah. Like I I really couldn't do it. I was tired of playing the game as well. Like, it, it, it was little, exhausting. It got
1: really political, too, <laughs> yeah, towards the
3: end. Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, it was really exhausting, too. Even, like, on the, like, state side as well. It's, mm. like, when I I am. I'm just like a chronic overachiever as Mm -hmm. well. So it's like when you operate at that level and then you start to deviate from that baseline, everybody's like, well, what's wrong? Yeah. And it's like nothing's wrong. I'm kind of just tired. Just
1: burned out. So I was burnt out.
3: My mental health was like non-existent. And even then Mm -hmm. I was studying psychology and I still was not really taking care of myself yeah uh so I knew I just wasn't doing it I was like drinking mm-hmm. way too much mm-hmm. I like so all of it I was just kind of just done yeah and even after that last um trip out to afghanistan i once I came home too I felt even like more done mm-hmm. um so yeah and it wasn't That was all of twenty twenty and then I get out in the fall of twenty twenty one. And
1: then this Mm -hmm. is just in the midst of COVID.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. COVID Uh, I just a cherry
1: on top there. I
3: left and COVID was not a thing. I get over there and it's like, what is going on? (laughs) World's falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so let's talk about that motivation into clinical psychology. Obviously the military had a huge aspect of that. Did you have interest prior to
3: no, I wanted to be a lawyer for like the longest time. <laughs> okay. And then I joined the military and I finished, like I said, I finished just like my associates, just got the core classes out of the way. And then it was time to like pick a major. Mm. And I, what I really enjoyed was like the counseling and mentoring aspect of the military. Mm. I loved mm. like that personal and professional de- development, helping people. Like this was around the time when like the Marines implemented the pull-up policy. So we weren't, we were, at first we used to do like a flexed arm hang mm-hmm. and then we started doing pull-ups um, so like even just small things of like helping like, uh, like other female Marines, like, Oh, this is like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, let's try to do this. That's not working. Let's try to do this. So like mm-hmm. helping people set those like small attainable goals and like seeing it through. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh yeah, I think I'll study psychology. I don't really know what I'll do with it mm-hmm. at that point. And then. And then once I finished that, I started a master's program while I was still in. Okay. And then I just knew I'm like, okay, I want to be a clinical psychologist, mm-hmm. um, and that like uh, that requires a doctoral degree. Yeah. So did that's you kind of
2: did you conti- uh, continue your master's degree while you were in? Or? I did. Yeah. Okay. I
3: continued that, and which like you don't really need that to go into like a PhD doctoral level program, but it was yeah. kind of just like it uh, certainly just, helps yeah, yeah. it helped it helped i got to learn a lot more of like mm-hmm. specific like i took one course on just mindfulness psychology one mm-hmm. course on like positive psychology one mm-hmm. course in abnormal sex so yeah it was very it was i i enjoyed it i i really enjoy like the literature and all
2: mm-hmm. of it. So. Yeah. Did you use uh, any of the, the tuition programs for that? Yeah.
3: I used tuition assistance while I was in, and then now I'm using my GI Bill.
2: So you use it for the whole, your associates up to your master's? Or? Pretty much. That's yeah. awesome. That's amazing. Well, I yeah.
3: didn't really need to use it for the associates because I'm a Texas resident.
0: Oh, okay. Um, the so there's Hazelwood. like the
3: Hazelwood Act, yeah. and like yeah. I still had the Pell Grant then. Oh, but, yeah, yeah I, I used to, I pretty much used tuition assistance the entire time I was in the Sounds military. Sounds
1: to me like you had intelligence going on <laughs> because, You know, we, we talk about this all the time, is the opportunities that the military has for continuing education mm-hmm. uh, within. it. You should, at the very least, get out of the military on a four-year term with an associate. I agree.
3: So. And I was like by proxy at the time, they wasn't a thing, but they're like, Oh, you're going to be the education NCO. Yeah. Because I was like the only one going to school and like that. And that's what led me to it too. I, I love like, Hey guys, like, and a lot in this in the Intel field, we have a lot of linguists. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those guys, like, they leave like DLI, their language school, with the equivalent of associate. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of like, okay, you you do have to do you have to do the legwork, you gotta yeah. like call some people, you gotta like send some emails. What do <laughs> we say all
1: the time is, you know, and I, I hear this with the complaints with the VA system is yes, their timelines suck, but it's all about doing the paperwork yeah yeah and a lot of people just expect it to be done for them yeah it's not due diligence it's you have to take the steps you,
3: you have to, to get the yeah
2: to get the care at the backside. Yeah. It's so that basic. that's
3: kind of like i was always trying to encourage people to like mm. and i still mm-hmm. do it now um with some of the fr- my friends that are in and out i'm like well you know what about this like what about this avenue mm. if you need yeah. help i even i remember i would help like then i would i as marines were transitioning out I was like, well, have you applied for this program? Did mm-hmm. you know you could use this? Hey, like, let's just sit down and like, look up this, like where you want to go to school here. Mm-hmm. What do you want to meet? Like, so yeah. I really enjoyed doing that then. And that's so that's, kind of,
1: that's yeah. the building blocks yeah, too of, 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 you know, counseling people through this. Now, when you got out of the military, you were going through your master's program currently. Mm-hmm. So I always love to ask the question of, of, you know, reintegration into the civilian world the biggest thing for me and countless other veterans that I talked to is the lack of accountability. Now Mm -hmm. you you're all of a sudden you get these orders that say you're out of the military and then there's a huge crash in a sense of purpose. Mm. Oh yeah. So like, thank goodness that you had, you know, the master's program where you still were diving into with fellow students and stuff like that. But did you feel that?
3: Yeah. So when I got out, so I did all my education online, like uh, undergrad and master's Mm -hmm. online and then when I got out, I actually um, – I was doing the Skillbridge program. I don't know if you guys oh, have yeah. heard about that. Absolutely. So I did the Skillbridge program, and I went to go work in Charleston, um, South Carolina, with a company who provides the program of record collection gear to the Marine Corps. Oh. So I had worked with this company before. Like I'd mm-hmm. seen them. They, they trained me on the gear. Oh, cool. Um, I did the Skillbridge with them, and then I got hired on with them. Mm-hmm. So I was still kind of like – I still got to like – I got to see the, the backs, you know, the, the kind of behind the curtain of, like, how the gear is made, mm. like, how they put it in the, all the Pelican cases, accounting for it all, get trained on it. And then I got to go train Marines. That's so I cool. got to go out to, like, Hawaii and, like, train these young Siget Marines on, like, the gear, like, the new gear.
4: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for a year before I started this program last in 2022, uh, last fall. Um, so that I still had a little bit of that, like motivation and purpose. I was mm-hmm. around a bunch of, like there's, they're all Marines. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was cool. Nothing really changed. It wasn't until I started this program up in Dallas last fall that I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like that first, sem- and so my, this past fall was my first semester and I like mm-hmm. really struggled mentally.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It was like, I was, went from de- taking like one to two classes a semester at my own pace, to five classes, full time student, the only veteran, the oldest one in the room, Mm. which the and also I am so used to being the only woman in the room Mm. a bunch of women. Yeah. I didn't know I was like what is I don't know how to deal with all of this yeah um, interesting so it was a lot and it's the mindset completely different yeah, yeah. completely different and I was how so um, well they came straight from most of them come straight from undergrad uh-huh. so I think like the average age is like 25 so a
1: lot of immaturity
3: I don't want to, sorry, if they're, if they're going to listen, I don't want to say immaturity. I think it's just a lack of experience. Life experience. Life right. experience. Yeah,
1: okay. yeah, Which is the definition of immaturity. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, say it a nicer I
3: will say way. that, like, yeah. if I was a 20, a t- yeah. me at 23 going through this program, no way. Yeah. Yeah. I was immature, very immature. Yeah. I didn't ha- I was not worried about. Yeah. Even though I was going to school at 23, mm-hmm. it was it was again totally very different. different. Yeah. You're fully you're just I was thrown into this, fully immersed into like psychology, the field of clinical psychology, five classes, like mm-hmm. my attention was shot, my memory, I'm mm-hmm. like what is going on with me? Mm-hmm. Uh and I'm not I wasn't used to that. Mm-hmm. And I, I I I mean I did well, I passed all my classes, I was but it was a very big disconnect. I went yeah. in there like in all of our our more like discussion-based classes like diversity i'm like oh i know who i am i know what i want i have opinions about all of these things
0: mm-hmm. and then
3: i'm in a room with people who just probably haven't formulated opinions about those things yet
0: yeah mm.
3: so and i'm it's kind of weird when you're the only one like oh why well, I, I feel so strongly about this this and that mm-hmm. and then it's just like you and the professor like going back and forth
2: no one else is chiming in
3: no uh yeah i got some yeah. like onesies and twosies they do chime in but okay. it's It's, I guess, I, I, it's not what I expected. I expected Hmm. like a whole bunch of. Well,
2: with the way people talk about their opinions these days, I figure that would be like pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's the,
3: maybe it's the field. Maybe it is the age. uh, Maybe like, I I don't know. But Hmm. no, what, there's not a lot of speaking your mind. I think I'm, I'm like, I joke all the time. I'm like, oh my God, am I too aggressive?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's how the most learning happens is asking the questions. Because, it is, it's, it's all malleable. It's all ever changing. And especially like in today's world, psychology has got to be a nightmare.
2: <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I'll imagine.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and we could spend a whole episode or two or three on this, <laughs> is, but, um, you know, as far as the instructing goes, what do you think uh, was the biggest misconception to psychology um, that, that you have?
3: Um, the biggest misconception. Yeah. It's
1: like, yeah. Like meaning when you're going in, you think you're going to be learning this, this, and this, but you're learning this, that, and the other.
3: Yeah. Um, well, I thought that we'd be learning just like right out the back going like, oh, we're going to learn CBT. We're going to learn these like theoretical Mm -hmm. orientations. We're going to learn how to do this and that. And it, it it was kind of like more of like, no, we get like to the root of like a lot of these things, like developmentally. Like we mm-hmm. go all the way yeah. back to the lifespan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, well, and, yeah. And what
1: certain age brackets are hitting yeah. in their developmental phase of things. Yeah.
3: So we we're going like way back and like it's, we start at like childhood. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, yeah. well, like chromosomally, genetically, mm-hmm. like and then we talk about like also like looking back at like the genetics that are being passed down. So it's like mm-hmm. what is – even like – which I, I'm, I'm a nerd about this too, but just even thinking about like w- the when a woman is pregnant, like what can be pl- passed down through the placenta. Mm-hmm. So like if they're just like have a high-stress pregnancy, mm-hmm. that gets passed down to the placenta. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're already like predisposed to things like anxiety and depression. So just like learning about that. Like, so like, yeah.
1: I mean, just hot-button topic with everything that you're learning, nature versus – nature sure versus
3: nurture yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's both like it's it doesn't have to be one or yeah. the other yeah. it's definitely both it's just like and i'm really big on this too it's like we need to look at the full picture mm-hmm. right even when we talk about veterans like well, yeah we can talk about their their military career but what was happening before their military career that could have just like exasperated like the symptoms
2: an, we have an interesting uh, statistic for you it's all special operations members have childhood trauma yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say I, most 100% of Percent of the ones that we've talked to, yeah, <laughs>
1: abandonment issues, yeah. Um, and we we look at how, especially how people are facing adversity, mm-hmm. and you know we've had over eighty plus interviews at this point for Justice Podcast alone, not to mention what we do with the Robert Irvine Foundation, helping thousands of veterans out there. But like, it's it's just it's crazy to think that adversity is kind of uh you're 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 going through adversity and the way you deal with that is based off of a lot of childhood trauma Mm.
3: yeah yeah it's a lot of like trauma responses and Mm -hmm. like
1: yeah
0: just
3: a lot of like learned behavior and like uh, so that that's kind of like what we what i think blew my mind too um is like yeah we can't just talk about their military career we have to like peel back a lot of layers
1: yeah and it's interesting too is is that um it's all about mindset as well as the way I process this specific event has to do with the emotion that I'm feeling at this point.
3: Oh yeah. Perception and like your, even, even the memories that we Mm -hmm. have, like a lot of the memories that like we hold on to, um, Mm -hmm. are like, A product of like high arousal Mm -hmm. events whether Mm. that's good or bad that could be trauma yeah that could just be a very like positive happy happy event as well but Mm -hmm. most of the time it's associated with trauma yeah the relative
2: emotion yeah
3: so we hold on to those memories and we hold on to a lot of like those that those go into like play into triggers and then Mm. those play into like Mm -hmm. responses and all of it's linked back to like maybe one event maybe several events um but yeah then like we develop all of these just coping mechanisms and we don't mm. know that that's what they are but uh mm-hmm. to maybe drown it out to maybe deal with it and it kind of just they just stack up onto each other mm.
2: that makes sense um i don't want to go too far off topic from where we're at right now but you guys mentioned nature versus nurture there's an awesome documentary that came out a few years ago called three brothers
0: mm. have you
2: seen this no it was three not. three triplets who in the 80s they were all separated mm. Uh, from a foster home. So they were separated, sent out to three different families, and they followed up with the families for for 20-plus years.
0: Wow.
2: So doing check-ins, and the kids never knew that they had brothers-related, and so they were testing the nature-versus-nurture outcome because, obviously, they're genetically identical. Mm-hmm. And then they end up in different, very different family environments. Well, they end up finding each other when they're, when they're in college. Wow. So w- one student, he ends up going to a college that his long-lost brother was going to, runs into a guy and says, Hey, uh, you know, what's going on, Adam? He's like, my name's Mark and I Adam. He goes, no, no, you're Adam. End up finding his brother. They find the third brother and they come together and there's so many similarities. Like they all end up smoking the same brand of cigarettes and they all have, you know, the same, the same hobbies and, and they're, you know, they're all football stars playing the same position, but they have very different family environments. And it's a very interesting documentary on nature versus nurture. It's, heartbreaking because it, it turns out they did this to like 50 or 60 different oh families goodness. uh yeah it was it was absolutely terrible but um it's a very interesting documentary on on nature versus
1: nurture that really hits that topic really yeah.
2: well yeah, yeah. sorry went no. way out of left no, field. no that, i think
1: i think that's great uh, just totally on topic yeah uh, too because you have to take into account the environment you know with with their teaching what school they're going to all this <laughs> stuff so yeah. you you know within that documentary too you also see the, the vast differences yeah. between them. Yeah,
2: major differences. You know,
1: cu- uh, uh, favorite colors, you know, things like yeah. that, where it's just like that environment that you were raised in. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's very interesting. And within your studies, you've had to have just really thought about your military experience within this. And what are some of the kind of, I guess, alignment that you're seeing? a lot of these military veterans who are getting out of the military, what they're facing Um, while you're going through your schools and, you know, your clinical application, what, what are the commonalities that you're seeing in the veteran space?
3: I think that, well, the, the common factor, if like, I had to like put my finger on it is just the lack of like actual knowledge of mental health.
4: Mm. Like we Mm,
3: don't really, I didn't even like studying it like i don't really know what mental health is like i didn't know what mental health is yeah. i didn't really know what it could do for me and also just there's just a lack of like especially in our field there is like this like it it's it can be There's just like this, like, oh, if you go to mental health, you will not get to do these things. You will lose your security clearance. You won't go on deployments. You won't, Mm -hmm. you'll lose these trainings. And that is like in one part true because I've sat in the room when we're racking, stacking and choosing where people are going to go. It's like, yeah, no, that guy's going through this. Like, let's not Mm -hmm. do that. Mm. Or like, no, he like, and I've also sat in the room where we have psychologists, like our. or like our MFLAC, our military family counselor come in and like brief on like what's going on in like these Marines, like Mm. in their counseling. So it's like, where's the trust as well? Like for me as well, it's like, I don't want to go tell this therapist, like share anything with them if Mm -hmm. I know it's going to get back to like my command. Yeah. There's consequences, right? Yeah. So it's like for one.
1: incentivizing.
3: Yeah. so, (laughs) So for one, it's like, that is like, yeah, there are a lot of just like lack of like, actual knowledge, but I think it's like more of a systemic thing. Like we don't Mm. really tackle it very well. We don't talk about it. We do. We, we push this like, yeah, no, like you just have to like, you still have to, you have a job to do. Yeah. So it's like you, we get really good at just like compartmentalizing Mm. so well. Yeah. But within we never really unpack it. We never go back to unpack it. Mm. And if it starts to come up, then like that's where the unhealthy coping mechanisms come Mm. up. Uh, As far as like what I'm learning, what, what can be applied. I think, And this is like my big push right now in the clinical psychology field as a whole, veterans are not seen as a diversity group. And I believe that we are a diversity group. If we're going to take the time to like dissect, like, Oh, well like the LGBTQ plus community, the Hispanic community, the black uh, community, like Mm. all of these races and all of like the, like disabilities, like Mm. if we're taking the time to like be culturally competent in all of these fields why are we not taking the time to be culturally competent in the, like with veterans? Absolutely. So great point. I, this is like my fire right now. I just wrote like a whole paper on it. Um, just like, that's why, like, and, and the, I, I'm not going to quote any statistics, but it's an insane amount, an insane rate that like veterans won't ever go to the second. Like they'll go to their intake appointment for mm. mental health and they won't go back to the mm-hmm. first one or they won't go to mm-hmm. the second one. And it's one of the main one of the main reasons they give is like a lack of like understanding, mm, um, mm. and it's like they would rather have like a pe- see a peer support mentor, see somebody who's not licensed, yeah, yeah. than see somebody who is licensed and like talk about all these things that like they will, they may or may not ever understand.
1: Yeah, um, well, that's just yeah. it. I think the military, and you could say the same, uh, you know, especially coming from Marines, right? Mm-hmm. Is you are ingrained into a way of thinking that you know your brothers and sisters your left and right everybody outside of that is it's not your problem mm. so when you talk about peer to peer that's how veterans look at things is yeah. why am i going to listen to you if you've not experienced what i what i've experienced Absolutely. so they kind of give up on that
3: yeah and to be quite honest like i've had that happen to me as well oh. where i've even tried to go to therapy and it's just like it's not it's not working and like mm-hmm. i'm yeah. like what is it and yeah. i'm like this guy just doesn't get it. Yeah. And why do I have to re-explain every like why do I have to like explain everything? Why should any of us have to re-explain everything mm-hmm. to somebody who probably will never get it? They mm-hmm. can try, and I'm not saying that there are therapists and psychologists who are not veterans who, who cannot make a difference. I think that they still can make a difference. Mm-hmm. But it's just like are you taking the time to you know read up and learn about the military culture before you go to the VA. The VA is the number one employer for entry-level psychologists. Mm. So it's like, it's more of a numbers thing. They're Mm -hmm. they're also going to take who they can. Yeah. Um, and as an entry-level psychologist, it's like the benefits are there. Like it's a secure job security. And I guess my, um, issue with it is like, but are you doing like, what did you do to prepare to go to a VA? Mm -hmm. Like, what did you do to prepare for like just being culturally competent for veterans? Um, So I think that's like a big, a really big issue that we're, that I'm seeing, especially like right now in the, in the field and the lack of um, veterans going to see mental health veterans, Mm -hmm. not even like, let's, we're not even talking about active duty because mm -hmm. that's, again, that's a whole nother bubble where it's just like, yeah, I don't want to, if I know this is going to get back to like the people making the decisions for the the things that I get to do, Mm -hmm. I don't want to share these
2: things. Mm -hmm. It can end your career.
3: It could. In moments, you know. So that's one issue. The, now, the veteran issue aside, it's like, yeah, and I'm – it's like we have all of these, like, nonprofits, and we have all of these organizations now, all of these things, but the numbers have not, like, subsided. Mm.
1: Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, they're going back up. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I – Don't know what like what the answer is, but I know for sure like that is one of them. The lack of like.
1: Yeah. And interesting. uh, Interestingly enough, I was just in Poland and, you know, everything is and this might be a little off topic, but everything is plastered in sharp, you know, army army sharp Mm -hmm. training. Mm -hmm. which is the sexual uh, harassment prevention. Right. And those numbers are going up, too. And and it's like, have we not learned at this point? Like, what is going on? There's so much education out there. Where is the discrepancy?
3: Yeah. No. Yeah. I. I was the like un, at the back end too. I was like a sexual assault victims advocate. Mm-hmm. So like even do, going through the training for all of that, like I could just almost couldn't even believe the numbers. And I know we we sit through the training and we talk about it, but then like when I went to go like the through the training myself, I was like, this is insane because it's all like. Green on green, if you will. Yeah. Like we're it's not like civilians coming in, like it's all like it's yeah. we're doing it to ourselves. Yeah. Like we're doing it to yeah. each other. It's heartbreaking. Yeah.
1: And yeah. The, the the number is, is staggering for women is ten percent. Like ten percent have a, an experience and this is just what's reported, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. yeah. reported. It's yeah. like yeah. saying one out of every ten female uh military service members out there have gotten at some point in their career, which is probably 20% higher than that? Uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: probably. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah,
1: so like, you know, every other soldier. And and that's staggering to me. So like, what are we doing to implement some of these new procedures into the military?
3: Yeah.
2: harsher consequences.
3: Yeah. That's, and that and <laughs> like, off that's off their hands 12 years. 12 years dungeon. they they do, right? Like yeah. the mass punishment, harsher harsher like, tr- yeah. harsher consequences. And it's like, that's not working. And it's like, yeah, we can say that it's like, is it a mental health thing? Uh, I, I would argue that, yeah, it is a mental mm. health thing. And something as simple as just like being vulnerable and talking about things, which is another yeah. thing we just don't yeah. do. Yeah. So it's like men- you hear the term mental health and some people will write it off. It's like, whatever. I don't want to talk to people about my problems. It's like you don't have to talk to people, but you, you are you talking to your partner? Are you talking yeah. to your spouse? You have to do something. Like, Are you, are you talking at all? Yeah. Um so it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. We we see all of these. I see, all, read about all of these cases too, and I I don't know. Like it's mm-hmm. it's baffling to me. That is a whole other thing. Well, then we throw in like, and what I think about it too is like you throw in like the high rate of alcohol abuse in the yeah. military, the high, and because it's the only legal coping mechanism that we like resort to Mm -hmm. right like
2: amplifies people's negative emotions and it it reduces your inhibitions it's it's not a good it's not a good crutch
3: yeah and and it wasn't until like i like took a hard look at like how i was abusing alcohol Mm -hmm. that i was like yeah this is like doing more damage to me in the long run yeah
1: Yeah. and you don't even realize it
3: yeah you don't and Mm -hmm. like i don't know where I don't, I I was listening to this some somewhere else and they were talking about how like alcohol is like in the military too. It's just like a badge of honor kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. It's like, that's society, that's American society. I think that goes beyond the military in that, uh, you know, we glorify the use of alcohol. It's like every celebration you're expected to drink. It is considered weird if you're not, if you don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I, I, I don't drink and I get shit for it all the time. Like, when we're out at events, networking events, if we're at celebrations, they'll pass out drinks, they pass me one, like, no thanks. Everyone looks at me like, what, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, yeah. you an alcoholic? Like, no, I just don't like being drunk anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. I just don't And, like and, 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 it,
3: and that was really yeah. it for me, too. It was like, yeah. dang, like, I was just being like, I was an asshole. I was yeah. like, I don't want to do this. That's well, another this reason I stopped sucks. drinking,
2: because I was such a dick. Glad <laughs> to see <laughs> that
1: stuff down inside. Yeah. And like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Compartmentalize that one, right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, yeah, we don't really talk about that enough, too. And that is, that is like, a cultural thing, if it's before. Like, I come from a very traditional Hispanic community where that is all... It's very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, praise in a way, too. It's yeah. like, oh, they can't handle their alcohol. Well, yeah, they cannot. Yeah. Have, that like, that so.
1: is, like, is like, oh, well, I could do seven shots, yeah. you know, and you're just... A, I you could know, drink you like, under the table. What, yeah. is, that, is that something we should be proud of? No. Uh, know?
3: No. What was... And, again, like... Like I won't sit here and be like, oh yeah, like that. I would never. Like no, I've been there myself before too, and I (laughs) did it a
2: lot. (laughs) Did a lot, and I
3: actually like was like, dang, I don't like this version of myself. Mm -hmm. Like this is not who I am. And for me, it was a coping mechanism. It was a way to like, just being so high strung. It's like I don't want to be in control anymore. Like I feel like I have to be in control every part of the day. Mm -hmm. So it's like no, I I want to lose control. I Mm -hmm. don't want to be. I, I just want to. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. yeah. So that that's what it was for me, 100. percent. And I know that I'm not the only one. Like I know that there are other people who were going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. We just we didn't talk about it. Instead, we just like laughed about it, joked about it, and just yeah. like praised it. Yeah. Turn it, it into a competition. Yeah. So, yeah. It's
2: like, yeah. 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 Have another drink. <laughs>
3: yeah. <it's> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Life sucks, huh?
2: Living Cheers.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: That that's an interesting one too. Um, I I think alcohol is 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 definitely a masking element, Mm -hmm. you know, we we want to stuff it down with Brown, as I always say, you know, (laughs) but, um, I kind of want to rewind it back to, um, your paper on just making this, uh, veteran community, a group. Mm -hmm. And I want to see what your salient characteristics are, uh, that are the, the arguments of that. Like, why should it be
3: a diversity group? Yeah. Well, first off, like in this paper, I have to. I submitted it to like an, the APA, American Psychological Association. So mm-hmm. That's like our governing body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. We. It, it was like an ethics writing competition. So I submitted it, and I'll hear back in May if it got like mm-hmm. approved for like publication and yeah. all that. So okay. that'd be a really big deal if it did. That would. Um, but the whole purpose of the paper is really like increasing awareness and cultural competency for psychologists, current licensed psychologists, because the number the percent that are veterans is very little. Sure. I think it was 6% last time I checked. Oh, wow. Um, so just very, yeah. The, so that it's just like, there's a lack of cultural competency. Mm -hmm. But
1: I mean, you, you know, we could also look at other diversity groups Mm -hmm. and see that there are much smaller numbers, Oh uh, you know, in you know the lgbtq plus community yeah yeah is one percent
3: uh i don't know I, whatever it's, statistics yeah, aside I, I think i yeah i don't know about that one also because i think it also has to do with like if they um like check like whatever that whatever that box may be like mm-hmm. if they identify that way so yeah. i don't know that number but he but but for the hispanic community like that's Hispanic psychologist, licensed psychologist. Mm-hmm. That's 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, so the numbers like they, they start to go up a little bit more if we look at race. Yeah. Um, but if you look at like my, especially as this the argument that I'm making, that's like, it just you don't. I'm not saying like oh, veterans, you got to go get like a PhD and go be a psychologist. Yeah, sure. But the main like the main argument there is actually reaching out like psychologists working with more organ like peer support organizations yeah. where that can be a, just an option for veterans.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Especially where we have all of these like nonprofits who may not have started off as like veteran nonprofits, mm-hmm. but have incorporated that like mm-hmm. oh now we're going to serve veterans in this capacity. Yeah. It's like that's awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm. And the funding's there if you mm-hmm. if you can write the right grants for it and all that. Yeah. But it's like, but what are you doing to make sure that you have a team that is like ready to treat these veterans mm. yeah. and like ready to be there to support them? Mm-hmm. Um so that's my argument is just like first off just seeing veterans as a diversity group because I think we are probably one of the most diverse groups ever yeah like it while well, least like and, in this population the most
1: diverse minority group yeah right? <laughs> so it's and it's like, trackable that's yeah. the thing too yeah. is that the numbers have been tracked for years yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's a great um control group yeah. to look at as well
3: yeah, yeah. and I'll, I'll kind of just like throw this in there as well that's the big part of the nonprofit is like the, our motto is bringing horses veterans and the community together mm,
4: mm-hmm. so
3: it's like showing the community what veterans can offer mm-hmm. and have like and then also helping veterans redefine their purpose yeah yes within the community so it's like we are not all not every veteran has PTSD
0: mm-hmm.
3: not every veteran ha- checks like not every veteran is disabled yeah could they be maybe right do we all maybe have some sort of anxiety going on probably who knows mm-hmm. but it's like we're we i think that society may have this like preconceived notion of veterans and i don't think that's necessarily true
0: mm-hmm. i think
3: um, even
2: veterans have a preconceived notion of veterans yeah, right we yeah. Over the past couple of years, we've thought everything has been relative to PTSD. Like, yeah, it's PTSD, PTSD. Mm -hmm. When a lot of it has been undiagnosed or misdiagnosed TBIs, which are massively different. Oh, that
1: is is the new version of PTSD that we're facing 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean,
2: PTSD, yeah.
1: Went from shell shock to PTSD, and that was like the focal point in mental health. And now, like with micro concussions and these Mm -hmm. TBIs, we're... At a whole new playing field, oh yeah,
2: and realize like, oh, it's not from the stuff you saw, it's from all the blows to your head.
3: yeah, yeah. and that's yeah.
1: where we talk about abnormal yeah. psychology yeah, at this time yeah
3: and and that's kind of where I'm going with dissertation like uh, my mm. population is is going to be TBI okay. and incorporating mind mindfulness approach interesting Um, to veterans who when which which when the time comes like i'll need veteran participants so with who have had tbis
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well um, uh, i
2: think we've all had a couple
3: (laughs) so but yeah that because especially when you look at ptsd and you think about the symptoms and you look at the pt the ptsd symptoms like anxiety irritability depression Mm -hmm. all of Mm -hmm. that it's like those are all like okay we can tackle all of these things right yes. like we can ha- find some sort of approach hmm. when you're talking about physical trauma to the brain it's a lot harder like mm-hmm. you know like your cognitive functions are impaired yeah. mm-hmm. so like what do we need to do to like get down to the nitty gritty well i think it's that? it's
1: it's the it's the pre therapy at that point right yeah. is now we ha- we have to address the physical aspect and we could talk about this with hbot we could talk about this with psychedelic therapies mm-hmm. But repairing the brain to a near normal function, and then going after those other approaches—CBT, mm-hmm. you know, somatic quieting, mm-hmm. these kind of therapies—it's just another layer, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So I think as well, like I'm, I'm interested. Like, so my interest, my field of interest is neuropsychology, mm-hmm. um, clinical neuropsychology. But mm-hmm. I, I want, like, for me. I don't want to. I don't want to do talk therapy. That's why I started the ranch too for equine yeah. assisted therapy. <laughs> I think it can only go get you so far as well. Agreed. And I I hear from other the other psychologists as well that like some of our professors that they'll see clients for ten years. Yeah. Like and more of like it's more of like oh maybe I see them once a month. They'll go a few months and they come back. And it's like I want yeah. I want to help you understand wh- how your brain is wired, mm-hmm. so that you kind of you have a good understanding of how to help yourself. Mm. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be I I, I want to help people help themselves. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to, you know, I don't I don't want to have to I don't I don't, I don't want that relationship. I I want people to be self sufficient.
2: Well, that's that's kind of defeating the the purpose, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you it's the equivalent of taking your car to a mechanic once a month. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll get the problems fixed eventually, but just tinker a little bit every month. And like, no, no, like go get it done. Like put the time in, put the effort in and, and progress. There's ways beyond it. You don't have to sit there and show up once a month for 10 years. Yeah. Like the, if you're not making progress, if you're not putting in the effort, you're not gonna you're not gonna bode results on the back end,
3: right? And I, I believe the key thing is um the community part. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, I, I can see a client for X amount of time, but oh. it's like where's the follow up? Yeah. Spe- specifically when we talk about veterans, because that's the population that you know I I want to continue to serve. Yeah. Um. So it's like yeah, we leave this very team based, tight knit organization. We get thrown out. It's like yeah you can go to talk therapy you can mm-hmm. whatever whatever treatment you you choose but it's like where are you how are you reintegrating really reintegrating back into society where's your tribe mm. where's your community yeah. um, and as far as like the ranch goes it's like yeah uh, it's like we can go through an 8 week horsemanship program we can teach you like how the human what the human horse connection is how you can improve your own communication your own and manage your anxiety, cope mm-hmm. with these things through working with the horse. Mm-hmm. But then like after those eight weeks, it's like, but no, you're now you're a part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're a part of like, you know, you can come back. You can mm-hmm. continue to work with the horses. You can mm-hmm. continue to help us train the horses.
1: So sense of community is a is a huge aspect of, you know, before we're diving too deeply into right. these therapies. I think that's that's exactly it. We talk about this all the time, is that you have to change your environment first mm-hmm. before you can implement these changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't change your environment, you're just going to get sucked right back into it. Yep. You know, Veterans who get out of the military and they go through what's called avoidance, obviously, mm-hmm. with PTS, is I don't want to go into a crowd anymore. I'm not going into windowless, windowless buildings. I'm sitting with my, you know, facing the exits and all this stuff. If you're not challenging yourself Um, to overcome these issues or you're going back to your house and locking yourself in for 10 years, peer to peer is not going to matter. So we got to change our community, our environment. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I mean, we come like the military is very, we we are collectivists in the military, but then Mm. we get back, we are thrown out and it's like, we, we want to just, we want to be individuals. And yeah, I think that to each their own, but as far as like, like healthy, healthy, I believe that healthy relationships drive resiliency
4: hmm.
3: so
1: that is a true story i mean you could you could study that aspect, mm-hmm. and i'm sure you have mm-hmm. where if you don't have a good support system next to you, those are the individuals that really falter from yeah. post traumatic stress yeah the people that overcome it and become the people that are um, out there in front of the community uh, telling people how to overcome their their adversity myself included is those people that were around you that helped you get out of that at environment you yeah. know that you were in so yeah absolutely th- that hits it right on the head
3: mm. yeah and I, I to be quite honest like i really didn't see myself like this wasn't a plan for me to start the nonprofit. i was like getting out i was really close to getting out mm. um and i was like what what am i gonna do like i know i'm gonna go get this degree
4: yeah
3: but it's like but what am i gonna like that's what am i really gonna do mm. that's gonna like I, I got really fired up one day and I was like, I, I need to make it some sort of a difference. Like I can yeah. sit here and complain or I can like find some sort of solution. And I that's, that. I was like, well, and uh, my brother, who's also a Marine, we kind of, I was like, Hey, I like texted him and like texted my mom and texted like, what do you guys think about this? I think I'm just going to start a nonprofit. Yeah. yeah. And they're just like, at this point they know me and they're yeah. like, oh yeah, we support you. Yeah. Go
1: for it. <laughs> go for yeah. it, do yeah. it. I
3: was like, googling How to start a nonprofit in Texas? I love it. <laughs> yeah. So what,
1: what came out of that?
3: Well, um, what came out of that was the Rustic Ranch. That's the Mm -hmm. name of Rustic Ranch Equine Assisted Therapy. Um, Even like I I was totally like didn't really know what I wanted it to be. I was like, I just know that I want to have, I want to help people figure out what their purpose is.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I
3: felt like I want to do it in the South Texas community because I'm originally from San Antonio. So, I mean, especially when we talk about this like this community here and being like military city USA, which yeah. I never knew that growing up. Yeah. I was kind of just like <laughs> nulled to the fact that we had such a heavy military population here, yeah. Yeah. but coming back, I was like, yeah, well, it kind of like I'm from here, so I'm continuing to serve my community and I'm continuing to serve the veteran community. Mm. So I knew I wanted to stay in like this area and that, that's kind of what I did. We, I sold my house. I had a house here in San Antonio. I sold the house I started looking for properties and mm-hmm. then I got a 25 acre property out in Hondo which is just a, an hour north uh west of San Antonio. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, so yeah, I really just like started googling like who can how what can I do what what veteran resources are there to help me mm-hmm. start this. Um and since then it's kind of just like we're we're still pretty small. Yeah. Um we're still kind of we're working with another small ranch who's, he's another Marine and he has horses. So he, we're working with his horses right now and kind of like Mm -hmm. just helping. We, we, we started with our, we're, we started with our veteran team and I got them spun up on like horsemanship. Okay. Um, and then now we're starting to work with like, um, this summer I'm trying to implement like a pilot program for Mm -hmm. veterans. So I want to like do like a pre survey, like kind of quality of life, Mm -hmm. do the horsemanship program and then like post, that it's more of just like trying to figure out like what's going to work and what's not yeah and i kind of of want like i'm open to just like what what to hear from the veterans and like Mm. what is what's worked what sort of therapy have they been to what hasn't Mm -hmm. worked what is working Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so
1: this is an eight-week program Mm -hmm. what does that program look like
3: so um
1: or the vision
3: yeah, the vision for that too is mainly it de- it really depends. So there's like kind of two avenues. There um, there are veterans down here who have who do have horsemanship experience, who've mm. grown up on ranches and grew up riding. So for them it could look very differently. And I am very adamant about this, like therapy is like not a one size fits all. Mm, yeah. Um so it it's going to take a lot it does take a lot of work to tailor treatment plans. But that's kind of like what – so it's like, yeah, we get a veteran who does have this horsemanship experience, and maybe that looks like helping us train horses. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they do have more riding time. Maybe they have more, like, ranching experience, so they can help us more of that. Mm -hmm. And we get a veteran who knows nothing about it, who maybe doesn't even want to ride, but they learn about the – they still learn so much from the human horse connection, understanding, like, their their herd mentality, how they operate in a herd. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that just looks like learning the horse from head to toe – um, learning about like the way that they turn their ears, what that how, what they're communicating to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really breaking down those layers of like, yeah, somebody may not be open to talk about these things. And with the horse, like you really just, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the future clinician, I get to, you can sit here and tell me that you're having an issue communicating or issue with anger, issue with this all day. But now I get to see it play out. Now I can kind of see it in real time.
1: So this is that that that's an interesting question that that pops up in my mind. Is are you able to see the temperament of the horse and kind of figure out that there's something a little bit deeper to that?
3: Oh yeah, you see Hmm. the temp. Do you see the temperament of the horse, and then you see the temperament of the person?
1: Yeah.
0: So it's
3: like you're seeing. It's just like. And a lot of it is, like, they they really do. They they pick up on your energy. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to go into the science of it, but, like, they mimic their heartbeat to their, what is, are you a prey? Are you a predator? Mm-hmm. Like, what what's going on? And that's kind of, like, how they kind of sense what's, who you, they're kind of, like, assessing you and checking you out. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on there, like, physiologically mm-hmm. um, that says a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Be- and like I said, you don't get that in talk therapy. Yeah, yeah. I can, like push your buttons and bring up hot but hot, hot, topics and see what what rise they get out of you and, like, what emotions are elicited. Mm. But, like, I don't want to have to do that, right? Like, again, where I'm talking about, like, helping helping others help themselves. So it's like they may not be ready to talk to even another veteran. or mm-hmm. it, And, again, they may not even want to talk to me. They don't really have to. It's more of, like, working it out with the horse and seeing – building that bond and building that connection with them. Mm. I'm just there to – Kind of step in as needed. It's like, hey, this is not working. Okay, maybe it's not working because it's like your cor- your your, prop- your blood pressure's through the roof. Your cortisol's they pick up on that. Your yeah. cortisol's through the roof. Mm-hmm. And like, let's take a moment to like try some mindfulness exercises, <laughs> and let's get back in it. And like, yeah. let's see if this approach works. And, and let's I, see it from this angle.
1: Yeah, I think that really melts down the average participant as well. Um, we have this conversation in adventure therapy. All the time, and I had a misconception of adventure therapy in the beginning, you know coming from a nonprofit background myself, especially in the early stages, I was like, "Why are we paying you know this amount of money to send these veterans on these trips, like uh, fishing trips and all this stuff?" And it took me going out to these events and really realizing what the potential was in these is you're disarming them, yeah. you're taking that extra layer out where you're putting them into an environment where, one, they could just fully immerse themselves into mm-hmm. that situation, two, get into a group of other people, you know, that community that is going through this same program, mm-hmm. and then the layers melt away. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you can implement that cir- that fire circle where yeah. you're able to just break down and talk. And they it's easier to do. What we talked about in the beginning of the episode is it's all about The emotion that you're feeling in that moment, if I'm feeling, you know, attacked by PTS and the anxiety and the stress, like, why would I talk about it? I'm already stressed. But now I've had all this, this, this day with this horse and this environment, this new, new situation that I've been in. Now, all of a sudden, they open up a little bit. Mm.
3: Oh, yeah. And it's just like also with that, it's just like redefining vulnerability as mm-hmm. like using it as a strength Yeah. because you have to let let your guard down at some point with yeah. these horses if you want them to let their guard down.
1: And you can't fake it with a horse. You you really can't.
3: <laughs> you really can't. And that's another thing, too. It's like you, you might. I think especially for veterans, they may have... So have some sort of level of like they know what they know what they need to say to get what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and that that may that may work well for them and but it's not going to work if like you're really trying to get to the root of what we're talking mm. about here. Yeah. Uh so with the horse it kind of just it takes away for one that that human kind of I guess vulnerability it's mm-hmm. like maybe they're not ready to do that. Yeah. Uh and they like again they just don't really have to with the horse. You you it kind of it's just awesome to see the way it happens. And the way you see people just like melt into the horse mm-hmm. as well. Mm. So I, I love it. I'm very passionate about it. I know what it's done for me growing up like around horses and like that was like an escape for me. So coming full circle, like going back to it, it's just like, it's been awesome to now try to like make this and doing this nonprofit and show, sharing that with other other people and other veterans.
1: I can imagine that this has been excellent therapy for yourself.
3: Oh yeah, I've learned. I mean, like you kind of have to um, look inward mm-hmm. as I as I'm going through this this program, this yeah. like getting through my degree. Like we're learning all these things, and you take a hard look at yourself and be like, yeah, that's that's me. You know, I've I've been through this. I've been through that. You know, I've dealt with childhood trauma. I joined the military. It was ex- my it was exas all these things were exasperated through mm. my military career, mm-hmm. becoming like emotionally callous and like very desensitized. And even when we talk about emotions, like. I don't, I didn't really have a whole lot of emotion words in my dictionary mm-hmm. other than like mad, upset, and sad, and mm-hmm. like irritable.
1: The primary colors. Like, that's
3: it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but then like learning about like anger being a secondary emotion. It's not, mm-hmm. but there's like, there's all these other things that anger is just like, that's just what we what we feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, what's the real root of that anger? Is mm-hmm. that fear? Is that? Um, You know, could it be vulnerability? Could Mm -hmm. it be, like, irritability? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of other, like, layers to peel back there. And uh, so it's opened up a lot in me as well. And especially the nonprofit side of it. Because I, as much as, like, I can, like, I enjoyed, like, public speaking. And I enjoy, like, I don't mind standing up in front of people. Now, like, the whole, this takes, like, a whole nother level of, like, marketing, (laughs) and like yeah and that's like that's a whole that's like a that's a very big like vulnerability piece for me Mm -hmm. i don't want to put myself out there Mm -hmm. on social media and like that's that's been a like that's been a a work in progress for me because i don't we ever i've never really felt like good at that like Mm -hmm. so i'm also like i'm all about like i have to practice what i'm preaching like i'm really big on leading by example Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna take the steps that like I know that I need to, to make sure that like, if I'm not going to ask somebody to do something that I wouldn't do kind sure. of thing. Yeah. So yeah. really big on that. And, but yeah, so like even, even something like this, like this is out of my comfort zone for me mm-hmm. coming out and like talking about these things. Like, and I guess even asking for help, cause that's what nonprofit work is. Yeah, yeah. And I have been terrible at that and like, mm-hmm. oh wow, I just put myself in this new career field where all I have to do is ask for help yeah. and put myself out there. It's like, yeah. Oh my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> the two things I don't
2: want to do. Yeah. yeah
3: so it's been like a real eye opener
2: mm-hmm. for me. Very steep learning curve. Oh yeah. yeah. Adopting business, nonprofit, anything like that. But it's a fun challenge at the same time, Yeah. especially when it's still relative to the community. Right. I mean, you're doing two things or three things, I guess that you love. You're taking three aspects of three different communities you love and kind of smashing them together. It's pretty exciting. Did did you grow up uh, riding horses? Is that yeah, how yeah? You... So
3: I, I'm from San Antonio, mm-hmm. and then um, I grew up down going towards Corpus. Like okay. my family, they always my grand one of my grandpas like grew up on a cattle ranch. Mm-hmm. His his father was a rancher, so like just growing up in that like ranching environment, yeah. and like mm-hmm. again like that was also that side of the family was an escape. From another very like heavy alcoholic family, yeah, that like at the time, like that was those were just my norms. I really mm-hmm. didn't like think anything of it. I wouldn't even have called it an escape. It was just like, oh, that's just what I do in the summers, like <laughs> yeah, uh, and like looking back, I'm like, wow, that's why you know I have these like very fond memories of of again like two high arousal situations where it's like one on one instance, it's like there's just a lot of like alcohol going around, sure a lot of like abuse and sense of like just like but that was like normal to us like we talk about it all the time i talk about with some of my family members it's like wow it's like that was just so normal it's the 90s right
4: (laughs) we really wouldn't have
3: thought anything about that yeah and then also going over to that that side of the family which they like really didn't drink very like openly at least like very often so i'm like i had these like two parallels and as an adult i'm like wow i guess like that was like an escape for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't really Mm -hmm. realize like the benefits that that had until I was kind of like looking back at it all.
0: It
2: makes sense. So, are you not drinking anymore either? Is that um, uh, something you've cut out?
3: I don't really yeah. like. I I will have a drink mm. like like in some social settings. Mm. Um, I really do like. I, I work at a cigar shop part time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like one day out of the week like on a Saturday, it's, oh, yeah. uh, I work at a cigar shop. So, like, I enjoy like having a cigar and then like maybe like a glass of like whiskey or bourbon. Sure. Yeah, but I'm really uh, nowhere near. Like, yeah. I looking back. I have to say that I'm very proud of myself Mm, because I mm. never thought that I would have like this relationship with alcohol. I kind of thought I was like destined to be an alcoholic to be quite honest. Like,
2: I think a lot of us are,
3: um, I was like, this is it for me. I guess it's like, I have to feel Mm. and I kind of fell into that as well. Like that dark time. And for myself, like, maybe this is just like how it's supposed to be like i'm supposed to feel Mm -hmm. bad and like shitty and like
2: yeah not the case so much right
3: yeah so i don't drink very often Mm -hmm. i i will have a drink on in some occasions but definitely like it's really crazy to think that like i can have a drink and And you
2: don't need a second one yeah which
3: i if anybody knew me then like that would be like no. it's
2: it's something that we've seen a lot more commonly lately is you know, I've talked to a lot of people who are transitioning out or recently transitioned, and it seems to be more of a hot topic is a lot more people are switching away from alcohol to you know utilizing other substances like you know whether it's marijuana or nothing um, or they're cutting back substantially. Not so much the other direction that we saw just a few years ago, even where a lot of people during their transition and getting out of the military, they dive really deep into drinking.
4: Yeah,
2: I've really seen that that start to take off a little bit more as people, you know, using alternative modalities or or just canceling it altogether, which is I, I think it's a very healthy move. But I was just curious for yourself because mm. you yeah, mentioned
3: no, I, I absolutely agree, and I also think that has to do with like the lack of like knowledge mm-hmm. that we don't really understand like the damage it's doing to our bodies
2: yeah substantially
3: and then our like who we choose like our environment as well mm-hmm. so it's like what are we you know where are we going and a lot of people like again too they go maybe they go back into the same like kind of environments that they join the military to escape yeah um so it they, it can be easy to kind of fall into those routines mm-hmm. again if that's kind of, kind of like what they're what they're surrounded with yeah. and to be quite honest like that is my that's those are the veterans that i want to target Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you you can come help us do this like come out to the ranch like just get out here Mm -hmm. like let's have like a we can have a barbecue and that's kind of like what we do. My, my brother and I is like, my brother is like a really good on the, the grill. He got into like smoking briskets oh, yeah. a, while, a while back. So like now he's like, yeah, he's there's, pretty good at it. So.
1: No better way than bring a sense of community through yeah. food. You know? Yeah.
3: So that, that I mean, and, and that's, that's a whole nother thing too. It's just like building that community around something mm-hmm. else that doesn't have to involve alcohol. Yeah. I've seen it destroy a lot of people, um, I don't really want to go into the addiction side the mm-hmm. rehab side of psychology. Maybe, maybe it is because I've just seen too much of that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but that's, I, I do have a heart for that as well. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I can just be an outlet, if the ranch can be an outlet for people, like that's 100% what I want just to yeah. kind of show them that like, Hey, it's like they, we can do other things. Mm-hmm. Like we can mm-hmm. tackle this problem. It, when you're ready, if you're ready. Like, mm-hmm. So that that's that's definitely one place where I, I would really like to reach veterans who are going through mm-hmm. that as well.
2: Fantastic. Are you guys accepting applications right now? Or how's yeah. So
3: uh, in the summer, so this summer we have like a barbecue coming up. It's, we're okay. going to do it at the VFW in Holotis. So mm-hmm. here in San Antonio. Okay. Um, and that's just going to be like, it's, it's free. Um, we're going to do, my brother's going to smoke some briskets. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. So we're going to go out there. We're going to get people, we're going to s- mm-hmm. kind of see how many people come out. It's really just mm-hmm. like bring the community together mm-hmm. and kind of let them know like, yeah, we may be out in Hondo, but like, we're really servicing the greater San Antonio area.
0: Sure. Man.
3: Uh, and with that. We're gonna try to recruit some people out of there, okay. Um, and then we're gonna kind of just—I'm gonna put out something as well to kind of get. I want at least five veterans. It's just the timing of it is—it is, needs to be kind of like that's what I have to work out because it kind of mm-hmm. has to be on like when I'm home, yeah, for yeah. the semester. So probably either like mm-hmm. August or we're thinking maybe just even in December because because of the weather as well. Sure. Oh yeah. So yeah, a, a lot cooler. of <laughs> a lot of honestly a lot of awesome things to come. It's gained even a a lot more traction than I thought it would. I thought it would kind of be this like uphill battle of like getting the word out there. Hmm. Um, But the small community that we do have at the ranch right now, has just been awesome. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of a very heavy veteran community and a lot of just like support for, People who've had f- a family of veterans. Yeah. So I mean, like that is like is really awesome. It makes mm-hmm. stepping out of d- stepping out of my comfort zone and doing things like this totally mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I, I, I love I I love it, and that's like. And again, as I think about like still wanting to be a part of this like camaraderie team mm-hmm. environment, like it's like yeah, this is exactly what I wanted, and this yeah. is what I want to build for other people uh, around a, a big passion of mine, which is like horsemanship and ranching and like down the road, mm. we're going to get some cattle out there and give, op- give veterans the opportunity to kind of like work cattle and like get back mm. in touch with like their food. Yeah, so that's yeah. just a, the diet and exercise thing is a whole nother aspect of mental health that like, I could also go on and on about that. Mm-hmm. Your, your gut is like yep. the main source to your brain and like, uh, there, yeah. All. Of, and, and also there's like a lot of mental health to yeah. stems stems and like with, with your diet. hmm. Um, so that's a whole other aspect of it as well. Right now, we're focusing on the horsemanship, but like down the road, it's really implementing like a, a more just a more holistic yes. like program. Mm. It's like teaching teaching veterans and the community again, um, like basic homesteading. So it's like gardening, mm. okay. um, ran, uh, cattle ranching. So it the whole operation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and
1: and and that dude that that does establish that purpose again, you know, give you a little bit of an activity, something to step outside your comfort zone. Mm. And that's what it's all about. If you're going to tackle mental health, you need to step outside your comfort zone.
3: Absolutely. I think
1: it's also really beneficial for
2: transitionary periods, getting out of the military to do nonprofit work. Both myself and Dave uh, and and you uh, all did that during our transition out of the military, we got into nonprofit work. And I think we're all good examples of how it how it's helped us. Uh, so I, I think anyone who's interested or, or you know going through their transitionary period or it's coming up, look into nonprofit work because, like you said, it keeps you relative to the community while still being you know you're able to step away from it at the same time. You're not you know all the way in the community like you can still mm. you know have have a you know a little bit of space from it. But I think it it does amplify and make that transitional period a little bit smoother.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And and like I said too, um going back like this, was still like the, I still feel in a transitionary period now.
4: Sure. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, I, it is, it is difficult being like in a room of people where most of the time I do feel understood. Mm. They don't understand why they think that I'm raising my voice. <laughs> like they don't understand why I'm so passionate about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't really understand like where a lot about me really. Mm-hmm. And I have started to take the time to like, exp- explain and remind that's like, this is very new to me. Mm. Um like I even again being in a room full of women like that was a shock to me. Mm. I didn't know how to deal with women who could openly express emotion when I still have trouble expressing my emotions. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's like so even the fact that like they can be so passionate about something that they, it can bring them to tears where it's like I don't have I'm not there yet mm. either. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like it was one intimidating and two, it's like, I do feel like some still feel like an outsider. So when Mm. I get to like come home and like be around, like go to the ranch and be around here, it's that this is kind of just makes that worth it as well. Yeah, Because that that's also not very easy. And I think that it will get easier as I progress through the program. But Mm. this being like, I just finished the first year, this semester was the end of the first year. So glad that is over with.
0: Congratulations. Congratulations.
1: But, uh, you know, finding yourself as a leader is oftentimes isolating, mm. you know? <laughs> so, uh, it, it's, it's incredible. So it, you know, here's your platform. If you have anything to say, like one piece of advice to the audience, you know, what they're facing within their struggles or whatever the case may be, what would you say?
3: Yeah. I think I'd have to go back to that healthy relationships drive resiliency. Mm. So like, mm. and, and that, that goes back to connection and vulnerability So it's like, yeah, we have a deep desire to connect, whether that's on social media, whether that's in person, whatever Mm -hmm. that is. It's like if we can strengthen those connections in a healthy way, we can communicate effectively. Uh, We can start to communicate with ourselves and focus on that relationship as well. Mm I think that is is what's going to make us more resilient in the long run. It doesn't always have to be adversity. Mm. Um, so I think that's a big one. It's just strengthening the connections in in your own life and taking a look in with the connection of in yourself. Mm. It's like where where are you? Check in with yourself, mm. and I think that will go a long way. And just remember, like, just knowing that there are people who like do genuinely care about you, absolutely, because that's mm. kind of where I am. Like I do. I'm in the business of people and I genuinely do care about people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I myself like to be a little bit reclusive and just kind of like isolate myself when things get difficult and when I feel very misunderstood, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: but it, it turns out it, it's so much better in the long run when you do reach out to other Mm -hmm. people and you have those people to lean on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
3: I think that that's a big one. It's just like, strengthening the connections in your life and that if like we are always there to reach out if you need to but we are always definitely there to lend a ear lend a hand in any way
1: mm. amazing sage amazing. wisdom where can we find you <laughs>
3: Yeah, so we are in Hondo, Texas. Like, again, that's just an hour west of San Antonio. So mm-hmm. anybody can come visit us. We just like set up an appointment, like reach out to any of us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Rustic Ranch TX. Okay. Um and yeah, like all of our information as well, like our email address is all on there. Uh all they have to do. My my brother kind of runs the show. Um his name is Fernando. He's also a marine. He kind of runs the show down here. He serves as our co-founder and ranch manager.
0: Okay, amazing. Yeah,
3: he runs the show while I'm up at school. Um, So yeah, it's if anybody wants to come out, and I I hope I'll definitely start pushing more about our our fundraiser, our annual Mm. barbecue. It's to celebrate our anniversary and kind of also raise a little bit of awareness and money. Okay. Um. So yeah, we'll have that in July uh, out here in San Antonio. So we're hoping to get a good. A good well, you better
1: let us know absolutely
3: yeah. absolutely fantastic well'll
1: we'll yeah. have to join just <laughs> gotta say um, thank you for you know what you do It's huge seeing fellow veterans get out back into the community and help others you know I think that's a fantastic mark of a leader as well as helping you through. Your own struggles and your own reintegration back into society. So, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an excellent conversation.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. I had a blast.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, so did we. Thank you very much for for your time today, Nina. This has been the Medevac Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, don't forget to head on over to our Instagram at Medivac Podcast. That's med evac, not med ivac, for some of you who have spelling issues, uh, or <laughs> medivacpodcast.com. Uh, you can uh, find more information there, shoot us an email, or hit the donate button. It'll take you to a link to the Robert Irvine Foundation, and you can donate right there. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time. Until next time. Bye.